Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Ready to head into Memorial Day weekend, but still a lot of questions. It seems more questions than answers right now with what happened the other afternoon in Uvalde, David. Yeah. Well, again, we're just trying to figure out what exactly happened and why it took an hour to engage the shooter. And there's been a lot of misinformation put out by authorities on the ground. And, and I can extend a little bit of grace because it's such a chaotic event, right? But, I mean, we're hearing things that aren't just little discrepancies. It's completely rewriting what the initial story was. Absolutely. I mean, that's why it, all of a sudden the showing of grace is going out the window fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, like, I wait say. a second. There were a lot of things you said that just flat out aren't true. Right. Like there was a school resource officer or somebody right. was there, engaged the shooter. Well, that wasn't true. Nope. Uh, you were in immediately. Well, kind of. But then you fell back and tried to set up a perimeter. And now the New York Times uh, is reporting, based on an update from officials there in Uvalde, Border Patrol agents actually arrived way earlier. They were there not long after this started. But the Uvalde police initially kept them from going into the school. Why? You see the report from the Wall Street Journal yesterday. The guy was outside shooting his rifle? For 12 minutes? For 12 minutes? I did not know this. 12 minutes? How is that possible? Holy smokes. So, yeah, I just don't understand that. Now, as we've heard so many people say over the last few days, okay, and the focus, of course, is on guns from the left. And what I kept thinking in my head was, well, if the one door is locked, there's a good chance this doesn't happen. Why was the door not locked? The report is there was a, a teacher that propped the door open. Now, that could be for a lot of different yeah. reasons. I don't know. I haven't heard that part yet. That could be just an innocent thing. You're not thinking, you know, every day is just another day at school. Well, we're going to prop this open for a minute. I have no idea. But we hadn't heard that before either, because no, we, we kept wondering, why, do they just leave the doors open? Most people don't do that. They lock them. So that part has come out. I can't wrap but my head around 12, the 12 minutes, minutes of yeah, shooting. I can't. Shooting outside the school. Towards the school. Okay. After you took shots at two people at the funeral home, right? Yeah. Okay. It, none of that makes sense. None of it, it does. It does not. You know, and seeing different things come out. You know, even right now, as Fox News is reporting and other outlets, that a cop actually drove by while the shooter was outside the school, drove by the shooter. I mean, what in the world has happened here? And it's going to take a while to get the answers. But, I mean, the parents there, understandingly, are out of their minds saying, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Especially you've seen, you never knew if it was the actual video or not, but different examples of parents saying, you got to go in. Why are you not going in? There's just no explanation. 
And what was it? This piece of audio right here, David? Yeah. Well, said they waited because they could have been shot? Yeah. So police got into the school. They knew where the shooter was, and then they didn't go into that room for up to an hour. They waited for backup, but it doesn't take an hour to, to get that done, especially if the feds are saying we had people on scene within minutes or within half an hour less than that. Uh, Texas Department of Public Safety Lieutenant uh, Chris Olivares said, yeah, I mean, what the usual response playbook is, you engage until you take down the shooter. It's not an evacuation. It's not anything other than where are the shots coming from, find the shooter, and take out the threat, period. And so he said, well, but but doing this interview with CNN, this guy says, "Well, well, there's more to it than that. Okay. One thing that, of course, the American people need to understand is that officers are making entry into this building. Uh, they do not know where the gunman is. Uh, they are hearing gunshots. They are they are receiving gunshots. At that point, if they if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. And at that point, that gunman would have the opportunity to kill other people inside that school. So they were able to contain that gunman inside that classroom, uh, so that he was not able to go to any other portions of the school to commit any other killings. Okay, there's obviously one part of that clip that people are talking about a lot. Well, yeah, they could have been shot. That The reaction is, that's your job. That's the... Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of people really admire law enforcement, because they put their lives on the line to protect others, especially children. Now, if you're saying okay, we we had him pinned here, and if these officers go in and he shoots the officers, then they wouldn't have had him pinned in this area, and he could have went to the other areas in the school. Are they saying, you know, we knew kids were in that classroom, but we were, what, willing to risk that in an effort to protect the other kids in the school? Is that what he's trying to say, David? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I No, I don't know, and what we're learning here. From the update today is that the shooter was firing over 100 rounds in the classroom and was inside the class and firing for two minutes straight before the local cops got into the school. They were fired upon, and then they pulled back and covered the door. So they, yeah, they know where the guy is. There. They know where he is. Yeah. And so it's, I guess you can. I can wrap my head around the idea that, well, uh, he wanted to pull back and wait for a couple of other people to show up or something, I guess. But you know where he is. You got cops all over the place suddenly. And nobody nobody charges into the room? I don't understand it. Okay. From the timeline that we've heard, okay, isn't the first call, first 911 call at 1132? Is that correct? I think so, yeah. That's what I've heard. Okay. That's when he exited the vehicle, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It was soon thereafter. Within a minute or two is when that call came in. Now he is shooting outside the school for 12 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say it took him one minute to get there, all right? So that would be 1145, correct? Yeah. I just heard a councilman on Fox this morning say that it took him basically 10 minutes to get there from where he was when he first heard about it, and he was there by 1145. So in that timeline, he would have been there 
before the gunman even entered the school. Yeah. So if we're backing up the timeline a little bit based on what officials are saying literally right now. Okay. By 11.35, 11.35, there were a total of seven officers on the scene. Not one of them thinks, hey, we know where this guy is. Let's go get him. You're hearing gunshots, are you not? Yes. you got to go toward it. There are kids in there. <laughs> and I, I noticed I'm today that the person speaking is Stephen McCraw from the Texas Department of Public Safety. He's the director. Yeah. It's not one of the locals. So does this mean... I mean, we're just reacting to it. Does this mean we're getting really what happened now? I I think so. I think, well, I think there's a, the message that, you know, I think a lot of us are getting right now is that local cops are in a lot of trouble. Who was giving the order to stand back? Yes. I think that's what we're looking at. I read something today that the one thing that changed after Columbine is you run to the shooter. Yeah, David was talking about that yesterday. Yeah, that's that's the training, right? I mean, you just you got to yes. go there. It's not an evacuation. It's not a but, perimeter. But to stand around and discuss it while this is going on, my God, if I was the parent, I would have felt the same way. I'd have went. I'd have tried to get in there myself. Okay, I know one of us is going to say it at some point. I'll go ahead and be the one. Yeah, we don't know what it's like to be in their shoes in that situation. No, we can only imagine. But you know what the job is? They didn't do it, (sighs) by all appearances. I mean, we've been waiting for, like, okay, what's the explanation here? We don't know all the facts. We can wait. And we've been told by the local officials there, hey, be patient. We're going to get you the story. And just for the common person, like us, like Wait a second, how long does it take you to give us the story? I mean, you know what time the calls came in, you know what time you went in, and then exactly what you did from there, and the guys in the school for upwards of 90 minutes. That's unacceptable. So now I guess we're getting more of the story, and we'll, you know, obviously continue to follow that. Man. Wow. And then there's the story of the Border Patrol agent that's getting a haircut, and he gets the call from his wife, who's a teacher. Yeah. His daughter's there, and so he doesn't have time to go get his own gun. He takes the one from the barbershop. Yeah, that, I hear it. that's uh, Jacob Alvarado. He tells the New York Times he just sat down for a haircut. His wife, who's a teacher at the school, texted him that there's an active shooter. His daughter was also in the school, so he gets out of the chair. He grabs his barber's shotgun. And went to the school. He immediately, you know, leaped out of the seat, grabbed the shotgun, sped off towards the school. When he got there, there was a tactical team there, talked to other officers, and then they eventually went in. And part of the story, and now you're wondering, okay, what's accurate, what's not, was that when he got in, he saw his 8-year-old daughter and then got her and other classmates to safety and getting as many kids to safety as he could. Yeah. But then it's kind of confusing to me. Was he the first one in? Because we've heard other reports. No, no it was the Uvalde police were the first ones he, in. He wasn't the first one in. But he, he, so he goes in, he sees his daughter, hugs her, and then keeps going towards the gunfire. 
um, to try to, you know, again, one, tell kids to go back, go the way I just came from. Go this way. Right. I'm going in. Um, I think this is a fair question to ask. So if the other cops were in there first, and from what we've heard, they would tell me if this is right, they engage, they're shot at, they have to pull back. As they're pulling back, they know where he is, and they barricade the door. While that door is barricaded, couldn't they start getting other kids out? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that that's that's what they're. Well, hold on a second. That's that's what we've heard from law enforcement so far. That was like the primary goal, and that's what they were okay. doing. They were evacuating the school, but the the problem or the controversy comes into play here because if you know where the shooter is. Mission one is not evacuation. Mission no. one is right. go in there and get him. Right. Okay. This is all unfolding now as we speak. So we'll get all of the updated information as soon as possible and then be right back with it. But there's, you know, a lot, obviously, that hasn't added up. And it feels like we're finally getting the facts of the situation. So more on the tragedy in Uvalde. Next. News update, David Van Camp. Heard a little bit more from state of Texas officials now in Uvalde about the discrepancy in the timeline and what exactly happened. As we are being told right now, there were officers on the scene shortly after the shooting began. They were in the building. The initial three officers who were in the building were shot at. Two of them were hit or were grazed at least. Um, and then they fell back and waited for backup. And then there were a total of seven officers within just a few minutes of this all beginning inside the school. Uh, so then the question is, okay, well, why'd you wait around for 40 minutes to an hour or whatever before you went in? And that, that was addressed by one of the DPS officials today. Here he is. The question simply is this. was 40-minute gap. And if the 911 operators were aware that, that children were alive in that classroom, why weren't officers notified of that? And if that's the case, why didn't they take action? That's the question. And again, the, I'll go back to the answer for right now, is that, that it was considered, okay, the decision was made on the scene. I wasn't there, but at the same point in time, you know, a decision was made that this was a barricaded subject situation. There was time to retrieve the keys and wait for a tactical team with the equipment to, to go ahead and breach the door and take on the subject at that point. That was the decision. That was the thought process that particular point in time. So they got it wrong with disastrous results. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, what else can you say? Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is there's a lot we can say and we're going to say. But, I mean, that guy's coming in, it seems, to tell what really happened. 
because we weren't getting the straight story from the local officials. No. And why not? Oh, man. Have to get into mind reading there. Was it shame just trying to cover your tracks because you knew you handled it wrong and it was tragic what happened? I don't know, man. I mean, you've talked about this before, David, you know, whether it's military, law enforcement, going through specific training that puts you under extreme pressure. Mm -hmm. And you've offered the opinion before that you don't think it's done enough because you never know when a situation like this is going to happen. Yeah. And even I, maybe you go through all that training, and even so, you're in this type of situation, um, and you make the wrong decision. I don't think it's any of these police officers wanted to make the wrong decision. Was it just strategically a wrong decision? Was it a wrong decision out of fear? I don't think we're going to know that for a while. Yeah. We can draw our own conclusions, I suppose. I I just think... Forget about law enforcement tactics. Forget about all of that for a second. How, as a human being, I understand the idea of like of of panicking in the moment, not doing what your training tells you to do. I understand all of that. How do you sit there for 40 minutes to an hour knowing what's going on in that room, knowing what has gone on in that room? And you're just and you just sit there, just as a human being. It's one thing if you run away, right? You choked in the moment, you ran. Mm -hmm. But if you're there, you know there are kids in there. You know that very likely many of them are dead. How as a human being do you not just if you're sitting there? How do you not go in? The only thing I can think is if how many how many of these guys were there? Did they say? They said a total of seven quickly. Okay. So if you have five that want to go in, but two are running the show and say no because you'll be putting the kids more at risk if we go in, and you believe that in the moment, I mean, your your mind's got to be going a million miles an hour. Yeah. To answer your question, David, I don't know. I don't understand it, but I'm trying to keep an open mind about it. Because, you know, because we all want the answers. This is updating. Another update straight ahead. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, I know you got another news update. Man, oh, man, I got to tell you, just shooting you straight. uh, There's part, I think, of all three of us that is so angry and part of you feels punched in the gut for the parents and friends and family members of these kids that died the other day because of the failure of local police there. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, waiting to, you know, cast some sort of judgment, I guess, on the rest of the details or the facts. But as we're getting the facts, can you make sense of this, David? 
um, other than they blew it. They completely blew this. So as as the update is going today, the way it the way it rolls is this: the guy is outside the school. The shooter in Uvalde is outside of the school, and we initially heard twelve minutes. He was outside shooting. Uh, one of the police officers for the school district drove by him. Apparently, he was crouched behind a car. Okay. So maybe just didn't see him. Uh, mistook a teacher for the shooter. That added confusion. Shooter goes into the school. Initially, there were three cops, and then they said seven today who were in the building. They fall back because they believed that now it was a hostage situation, barricaded. They didn't consider it an active shooter anymore. So they made the call to back up and form a perimeter, basically lock the place down, and then get a tactical team in there that can go in and remove him. They waited again to move 40 to 60 minutes. There's like a 40-minute gap or so. Uh, here's an exchange between uh, CNN's Shimon Procupes and uh, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety asking about this. What happened? Who made this call? Was this the right call, the wrong call? Obviously, it was the wrong call. Right. Again, it's one of those things, hindsight's twenty twenty. but in the moment, I still don't understand how you make that call, that you're not going to go in and get the guy when you know there are kids in the room. But... Here's the exchange here. You say there were 19 officers gathered in the hallway or, or somewhere. What efforts were made to try and break through that door? You say it was locked. What efforts were the officers making to try and break through either that door or another door to get inside that classroom? None at that time. The, the on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject. You have people who are alive, children who are calling 911 saying, please send the police. They are alive in that classroom. There are lives that are at risk. Hey, That's not we're, protocol, we're, well, is we're, it? We're well aware of that. Right. Yeah. But I, why was this decision made not to go in and rescue these children? Again, you know, the on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was time and there were no ch more children at risk. Obviously, obvi obviously, you know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. You know, the only thing, I, I hear this, and I, I think to myself, you know, a fireman running away from a burning building. Um, I wonder to myself, this is a small town, smaller town, these guys never expecting anything like this ever to go on while they were stopping people for, you know, jaywalking or blowing a four-way stop or whatever, and just froze. The fear took them over, and they were not able to do anything. And I'm not giving them grace. I'm just saying as a potential, was it just they were so gripped with fear in the moment because this is something they never, ever thought they'd have to deal with? Well, I mean... From what we just heard, you're looking at one guy right now. That's right. the unseen commander that made the call. I mean, you got 19 officers. But there. you would think that somebody in the in the 19, somebody would speak up and go, "Wait a minute, we can't do that." 
Yeah. Yes. Or I'm I going mean, in. Yeah. I mean, you may be the unseen commander, I, but that's a that's the wrong decision. Yeah. I, I mean, I unless everybody just took shook their heads and went okay. I just feel like there's. Well, if it's a military situation, you're supposed to follow orders. Well, that's true. Okay. Is it different when you're looking at a situation like this with know. police officers? But when you know what's going on in there. I know, man. That's uh, the thing, man. I just. Ah. You know, and I'm trying to get updates of all places, Twitter. You're familiar with Leo Terrell. He tweeted out the 19 officers who did not enter the classroom placed their lives over the lives of those innocent children. Exactly. The one part of that audio, too, where the reporter is saying there were kids in there alive. Calling 911. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the person in charge right now from the state is saying, yes, we're, we know that. Well, don't assume that because we wouldn't have known that. I mean, we're trying to figure out why didn't you go in? Yeah. I mean, did you not know there were kids alive in there? And again, you've brought this up several times now, David, since Columbine. That's not the protocol. No. No. It's not that this has changed to a barricaded situation. Unless I'm missing something. No, it's a guy in a school with a gun. He's been shooting. Go get him. And if the idea is to barricade him in there, so you got him, you've got him in a, boxed into a position. I mean, when you've got ten, eleven officers standing around, everybody has a weapon. You want to come out of there, pal? Go ahead. You're not, not going to get anywhere. You're going to get shot and killed immediately. If that was the if that was the reasoning behind it, was to keep it contained. But it's not contained when you have kids in there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But even if that was the line of thinking, I mean, he's, you know, you got 10 guys standing around with guns. I mean, wow. open up the door and say, come on out. Man, oh, man. It's it's so crazy. Yeah, we'll uh, keep you updated on that. Um, we have a little bit more from this okay. press conference as to who made that decision. Yeah. It was the uh, chief of police. Here's more of the audio from the state of Texas. The chief of police of Consolidated Independent School District. He, he was convinced, and again, I want to go back and say, you know, he was convinced at the time that the, there was no more threat to the children and that the subject was barricaded and that they had time to organize with the proper equipment to go in. The subject had already hit, hit you know, three officers. And uh, hit two officers, and I didn't answer the final question. A third, a border patrol agent was grazed as well, but no one was ser- no police officer was seriously injured. Wait a second, the Damn border it. patrol agent that was grazed isn't he the one that took him out? I thought so. Yeah, he walked out. He that had... was the original report. Yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't count him in with the people that were already hurt as a reason why they didn't go in. He got hurt after or during the fire where he took out the killer. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, that, I understand. The, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm, uh, again, so the chief of police for the school district yeah. was saying that there was no threat to children, thought there was no threat to the children even as there are 911 calls from inside the classroom? And you heard gunshots. 
How is that possible? Okay, while I feel like we're finding out more facts, uh, the BS detector is still going off. Whether that's, whether it should or not, it is for me. I'm yeah. just calling it, man. It seems like there's still like cover-up nonsense going on. A little bit. At least with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they're saying that the door <clears throat> that the shooter entered through was propped open like a minute before the shooter got there. By a teacher. By a teacher. There's a lot about this that doesn't make sense, and I agree. The no. BS detector is going off here. It still feels like uh, people are trying to cover their butts yeah. in some sort of way. Okay. Uh, with all this going on, then the left then trying to focus just on guns. This was quite a trick to me. NBC News managed to make this school shooting about racism. Yeah. What? Yeah, this is—it's unbelievable. Yeah, they—they they were tying it to the white supremacist terrorist attack in Buffalo, and bizarrely, the Asian spa shooting in Dallas, which was a hate crime carried out by a black guy. This shooting was carried out by a non-white person. Uh, but NBC's Sakshi uh, Venkatraman claims that minorities in this country are having to lean on each other because white people won't help or something. It's obvious that it's just a very dangerous time to be a minority in this yeah. country right now. People are exhausted. The main sentiment that, that I'm hearing is that there's this collective sense of mourning, not just this time around, but constantly. It seems like every couple of weeks we're forced to reel from something like this. And, you know, a lot of people say when in the wake of tragedies like this, go to the polls. But that's something else that communities say is becoming less and less possible as voting restrictions tighten in some states. It's because becoming more difficult to actually use their voice to make a difference. So it's an overall very um, depressing and and tiring time for for minorities. Yeah. We have awful people. Just (laughs) awful people. An enormous amount of idiots in this country. You know, man... How does anything she just said help? It doesn't, and it's not true. You know, I think we just got to keep calling out stuff like that and just keep trying to tell the truth. I mean, it's the only hope we have, man. And I really hope a lot of people take time out this weekend to think about Memorial Day and the sacrifices men and women made for the country and what for. Because what we're hearing... From this shooting in Uvalde and the response to it, you know, not just, well, first with the police officers there, because we're also finding out the school resource officer that originally had engaged the shooter wasn't even there. Right. Wasn't even there. Into the left's reaction to this and the NBC's and CNN's. Golly, man! I've become numb to the term of racist. Oh, that I'm just numb to it anything. now. I'm just numb to it. And then, of all things, something else. Uh, Meghan Markle decides. You know, if I showed up, this would help the situation. Oh, gosh. People trying to take advantage of a situation like this is absolutely freaking disgusting. We'll get to that. Much more coming up right here.
Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. New details about the timeline of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. It's so troubling, David. Yeah, and now the Texas Department of Public Safety has come out and said, in no uncertain terms, uh, local cops made the wrong call. Correct. So they go in there. There are cops in there. The shooter has barricaded himself into a room with kids in the room, still alive. And the cops held back. The on-scene commander is the one that made that call. Yeah. Well, and, and he later clarified it was the chief of district police. So who made the call because they didn't think that it was an active shooter situation anymore. And that's really confusing because there were two kids inside the classroom calling 911. Nobody goes in. Oh, my gosh. The feds were held back because local cops were saying, no, this is a barricaded subject, not an active shooter anymore. And so during the Q&A today, and the question somebody asked is, hey, how many kids could have been saved if someone would have busted through the door? Yeah. Right? That's what we're about to hear. I don't know. They don't know how many kids were shot during a 48-minute-long lag between cops there, set up, and then the time when they actually went into the room. They don't know that because they got to piece it together. This is a massive, oh massive gosh. failure. And then you have the media... Celebrities like Meghan Markle oh, gosh. decide to show up. How is that helpful? It's not, but it, again, it's 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 the same thing we see with a guy like Beto O'Rourke. It's how can I make this tragedy about me? Yeah, Meghan Markle, of all people, shows up and goes to a memorial site for the 19 kids who were murdered earlier this week, and. Has a professional photographer there, bodyguards there. Hey, look at me. I'm showing solidarity with the community. Go away. Go away. You're, you, again, you have to have something really, really dark in your soul to do that, to go to show about up you. and make it about you. You can write a check to pay for the funerals if you want. You want to do something helpful. You don't have to show up. This grand gesture, that's despicable. I hear Savannah Guthrie this morning on the Today Show, who's interviewing as many people as she can and saying, you, you know, there are just no words. You can't say anything. And then she gives you this. Say, I don't know. I, I have to turn it off. I can't watch it. It's too much to bear. And I understand that. I understand that. But I always think if these parents have the courage to tell these stories, mm -hmm. then we have to have the courage to hear them, mm -hmm. to hear them. And so I think that... Oh, let's talk so to somebody courageous. that's actually there you know like a councilman from uvalde that had a message to the media this morning because he was asked about the media right now i've talked to several i mean even my daughter-in-law i have eight grandsons yeah yeah Lawrence jones is you know pat him on the back it's okay take your time i have eight grandsons they're telling me Tell them to leave. The media. Very passionate. They want the media out of here. So I'm telling you, 
leave these families alone. Not only the ones that had people got hurt, but the other ones are suffering too. My grandkids are suffering. So I'm telling you, calm it down, media. Calm it down. No, they're not going to let that get in the way of no. elevating themselves. It's freaking disgusting. Oh, ghoulish. Jeez, disgusting. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, we've all learned more details on the timeline of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't even know what you say about it. Yeah. Here, here's what we've learned today from the, detect, uh, from the uh, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. A uh, teacher propped open the locked door that the shooter walked through just like a minute before he actually gained entry into the school. Uh, the school resource officer was not on campus. There were 19 or 20 police officers in the hallway at the school while this dude was in a classroom. The chief okay, of police. Okay. You know, going by each one of those things that we've learned today. Yeah. Feels like, David, it invites another question. Like, start at the top okay. of your of the new things that we learned. Uh, teacher propped open the locked door that the shooter walked through. Okay. We've also heard the shooter was outside the school shooting. Yeah. For several minutes before he entered. Was that false? Do we I, know? I don't know. I haven't heard anything that debunks that or counters that, but... I haven't either. So if he is shooting for 12 minutes outside the school, and then the teacher props the door open... About a minute before he comes in, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. So, <laughs> as we know, from early, earlier in the week, they gave us flat-out lies. Yeah. I don't think it was confusion when you're saying, oh, the, the resource officer, he engaged. He wasn't even there that we learned today. No. So there's all these falsehoods. That doesn't seem to square up either if he's there 12 minutes beforehand and then it's just one minute the teacher props the door open yeah that's strange okay go ahead uh so then you have what 19 20 police officers in the hallway at the school the reason they didn't go in was because the chief of police held officers back and the border patrol back because they had made or that person had made the determination that it was no longer an active shooter event so they wait around for 45 minutes or 48 minutes, I think, technically, before they make the decision to go in. Meanwhile, there were two children calling 911 from inside the room. Okay. That's a So they failure. know kids are in there. But they've made the decision that it's gone from an active shooter situation to yeah. a hostage situation. Yeah, a barricaded subject, but yeah, basically okay. a hostage situation. Okay. And then we had 
the Border Patrol agent that is getting a haircut when his wife, who is a teacher at the school, texts him, need help. So he grabs a shotgun from the barbershop. He doesn't have time to go get his own gun and goes straight to the school. And he is the one that ends up taking out the killer. So was he also held up with the 19 for this long? And was it he that made the decision to go in? That that part's a little foggy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that part is still kind of fuzzy up in the air. Um, yeah. I mean, you have multiple people just making wrong decision after wrong decision during yes. this moment. And right now, Texas DPS can't even tell us how many children were shot and killed in that 48 minutes. They cannot tell us... Uh, how many people could have been saved if they had done what police departments are told to do, which is there's a guy in the school with a gun. You go get the guy with the gun. You don't wait. And today, I mean, look, the Texas Department of Public Safety uh, head was speaking and said flat out they made the wrong call. All right, let's hear that. My goodness, man. And for the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, that of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision, very There's no, no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that that, doc, that doctrine requires officers, we don't care what agency you're from, you don't have to have a leader on the scene, every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead. So according to that, they all failed. Massively. And not with the benefit of hindsight. I, I know that this guy, it seems like he's trying to be as politically correct as possible. He's trying he to is. be as supportive as possible to fellow law enforcement. I understand that. But you can hear him as he's getting defensive. Because, I, again, I'm getting into mind-reading territory, and maybe that's not the appropriate thing to do. But i got to believe this guy's pissed well, at how this was Well, it does handled. seem, and I, I haven't heard this part of the story, but let's face it, they're bringing in people from the state to go in, figure out what happened, and then tell the public what happened because we weren't getting the straight story from the local police agency. Yeah. And so that's what this guy is trying to do, and I think he is trying to be respectful. And at the same time, as he said, you know, benefit of hindsight. But then he... <laughs> He obliterated his own argument by saying, but when you've got an actor, active shooter, it's no command. It's nothing. You go toward the shooter. Yes. And you keep firing till that shooter's dead. So, I mean, that's the nicest, most respectful way of saying they all failed. Am I missing something? No, that's exactly what he's saying. Okay. <clears throat> And look, yeah. Well, you're... I look at Robbins, and Robbins, you're well, looking at it like, eh, I just... boy, that seems harsh. And I'm just trying to say, well, let's figure out what the hell he's saying. No, no it's it's a complete and utter miserable failure, yes. 
I would agree. Listen, whenever we talk about law enforcement, I think we say it almost every time. Yeah. Man, I wouldn't want that job. That's a tough job. No, we You're su- putting your life on the line every we day. We support those guys and gals. Yes, absolutely. But that is the job. Yes. That's why it's such a respected I, I position for so many people. I just think they just freaked. Yeah, but you don't get to freak for 45 minutes. No, no, I, I, no I'm, not, I'm not defending I, it, I know you're not. I'm just trying to put reason on it. No, I, I know you're not trying to defend it. I don't think anybody is going to try to defend it, I, and, and I understand that. I guess as I'm listening to this and as I'm processing the information, it's one thing, again, if you have a situation like, well, sadly, what happened in Parkland, where a guy, one guy, completely choked under pressure. He did. He, he went and hit. Absolutely. Instead of doing his job. But you didn't have a situation where a dude was in a classroom murdering children for 45 minutes while everybody just sort of stood around. That's deeper than choking. That's, I don't know. I don't know if there's a word I can say on the radio that actually encapsulates that other than I'll just say this. If you made that call and if you abided by that call, especially based on what the DPS just said, you don't get to be a cop anymore. You're out. Right. No, I agree with that. Absolutely. Okay, because this is all unfolding as, you know, we're doing the show. I didn't hear every part of this news conference. Are they trying to say there was such a long period of time in between shots that they thought then he was just barricaded and not killing anyone else and they were waiting for gunfire again before they breached that's actually a great question yeah that's what? a great question i mean i'm trying to figure i, I don't i don't know right why they did because if you heard rapid there. fire shots being taken it seems like you would want to get there you have to now right so did they think yeah. okay we've got him locked yeah. in there's no gunfire happening right now okay let's figure out what the plan is yeah that i mean i'm trying some well though because they it. mentioned bringing negotiators in yeah that that's what i gather is is what they're getting at is that yeah. when they say oh now it's a barricaded subject but again when you got a guy with a gun in a school there is no such thing you're not you're not negotiating you're going to find and kill right so again going back to what the Texas DPS official said that there is no figuring it out from there there's only one rule and they've gone through all the training. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's certainly not every job where your decisions and and failures cost lives. I mean, it's like an airline pilot. You know, it's great responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you make the wrong calls and then get flustered under pressure. Yeah, it can cost... Well, hundreds of people, their lives. That's the job. You kind of know that going in. Yeah, if you want a job that doesn't require any pressure like that, then you don't. Well, no. You certainly don't gravitate that way. No. No, I, you know, last night Tucker had on uh, the Parkland dad. Yeah, I saw that. Talking about the officer that didn't go in. Right. And he said, I'm having flashbacks right now. He's just, you know begging somebody to do something it's it's horrific you had the one mom they put cuffs on her yeah and then they when they took the cuffs off she ran into the school got mm. her daughter and came back out oh my goodness there was another piece of audio 
And is this where the official is saying they didn't think there were kids at risk? Yeah, this is explaining the, the bad call. Okay. All right, yeah, we've got to hear this. What efforts were the officers making to try and break through either that door or another door to get inside that classroom? None at that time. The, the on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject. You have people who are alive, children who are calling 911 saying, please send the police. They are alive in that classroom. There are lives that are at risk. Hey, That's not we're, protocol, we're well, is we're, it? We're well aware of that. Right, yeah. but I, why was this decision made not to go in and rescue these children? Again, you know, the on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was time and there were no ch more children at risk. Obviously, obvi obviously, you know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. Hmm. Well, the on-scene commander, you said, well, we don't think there's children at risk. We just got 911 calls from kids inside. I don't understand that. But how do you come to that conclusion? I mean, you... David, you followed some of this training. There's no knowledge I'm looking there, to you, man. Right? I, again... It, it doesn't really matter from everything I've learned. I'm just saying from right. everything that I've went, whether it's, you know, training through this, uh, training with police departments for a school shooting response, whether it's just reading about it. I've never once heard establish a rapport with the school shooter. That's never been on the table. The game plan is go get him. Always. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Certainly. More to get to from what we're learning today mm. about that tragedy in Uvalde. And, of course, oh, my goodness. The different takes from people on the left. Certainly not helpful to the situation, to say the least. All that coming up right here. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know, rarely is our show pretty much one topic throughout the day. I don't ever remember a day like this of finding out what happened at a school shooting and just being so confused yeah. with mixed messages. And then the message that we do get that is clear is that this appears to be a massive failure. Yeah, I don't know how, how else to say it. Well, the shooting in Uvalde, yeah, we're getting an update, or we were getting an update today from the Texas Department of Public Safety, and apparently there were 19 officers, 19 cops, in the hallway of that school near where the gunman was, and they made the strategic call to hold back because they didn't consider him an active shooter anymore, and instead was a barricaded subject, fancy word for uh, hostage or whatever. But here, I'm trying the, to make sense of that. Yeah, and I'm wondering aloud: did did the gunman then not fire at all for a long period of time? So they thought, okay, kids aren't at risk, even though you had kids calling nine one one from inside the classroom. 
during that time? Yeah. But then you have an update? Yeah, during the 48 minutes while officers were waiting, sitting on their hands, they did hear sporadic gunfire. Then how do you not go in? Right. How do you, yeah, how do you how do you put the math together in your head that leads you to the conclusion that this is somehow some sort of standoff? You have gunfire in a school. Training for like 20 years has informed us to go towards the shots. Take care of the threat. And you had cops outside holding back parents who wanted to go in. That's just astounding. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have state law enforcement in Uvalde today that appears to me has taken over any public relations stuff as far as communication with media to tell the story. Wow. Okay. If you don't mind, David, I want to roll this back from the official today from the Texas DPS that said it was the wrong decision. And for the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, period. There's no no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that that, doc, that doctrine requires officers, we don't care what agency you're from, you don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead. So, yeah, he's saying benefit of hindsight, but not really. Yeah. They should have known. And at the same time, the Border Patrol agent... That took the gunman out, did he just go past everybody else and say, no, I'm taking the guy out? We don't know yet. See, that's but we'll, a great we'll question. We'll find out. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. David Van Camp, we know what the big story is. Um, there are a lot of unanswered questions. Do you think we're going to learn anything else today? Or are they pretty much done with any sort of Q&A? Uh, hopefully we'll, I mean, I don't know. Seems like this is like the big update of the day. They may be scheduling press conferences later on. Again, you never know because maybe they get a a, a, something that can fill in the timeline a little bit more. My sense is that they are done making statements publicly willy nilly because the initial statements were so wrong. No doubt. Okay. Um, other things going on. Well, Congress is taking a week off. We'll get to that as well. Coming up right here. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. David, learning a lot today out of Uvalde, Texas. And wow, is it disturbing. Yeah. The timeline 
of what happened, and there's still a lot of questions. But you're pretty good at kind of giving us an idea of at least the things that we've learned today. Well, okay, so we'll start from the top. We did learn that a teacher, they say at least, um, a teacher had propped open the door for one reason or another. We're not sure on that part. And that's the door that the shooter got into there in Uvalde. Um, so he goes in there. Uh, initially, I guess, fires some shots in the hallway. Then a couple cops follow him in. He shoots at them. They fall back. And then at some point, you got 19 cops in the hallway outside the door. Apparently, most of the shooting happened within the first five minutes or so. Uh, but you got 19 cops in the hallway, and they decide to treat it as a barricaded subject. They they think this guy's just in there, and they they didn't come out and say this explicitly, but it seems like they were operating under the assumption that everyone in that room was dead, except for the gunman. Mm-hmm. Um, which is absolutely the wrong call because you had kids inside the classroom calling 911. So as soon as the 911 call comes in. All it takes yeah. is the cops inside the school to be alerted to that. Hey, we just got the 911 call. There's there's kids inside there. Yeah. And so for 48 minutes, they wait before going in there. And you'd ask the question, Is there was it just silent for 48 minutes? Well, according to DPS today, no. Every once in a while, the guy would fire a shot. So that's, that is an active shooter then. That's not a... Barricaded subject. That is a guy actively shooting inside of a school. Go get him. My goodness, man. Well, and this heart-wrenching question was asked to the official today from the state. And if you can't make it out, you can hear the response. The question that's being asked is, if they had gone in to where the shooter was, how many kids could have been saved? And that's the thing that's going to be left with a lot of people. wonder how many of those kids could have been saved. We don't know. No. It was an accurate answer. No, I don't know that there is any way of knowing. I I don't know. We know know some some, would have been. Yeah, right. Well, and again. God, this is so frustrating. It really is, man. It's just so frustrating. And again, that official saying he didn't think there were kids at risk. Yeah. What efforts were the officers making to try and break through either that door or another door to get inside that classroom? None at that time. The, the on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject. Sir, you have people who are alive, children who are calling 911 saying, please, Send the police. They are alive in that classroom. There are lives that are at risk. Hey, That's not protocol, well, is it? We're well aware of that. Right. Yeah. But I, why was this decision made not to go in and rescue these children? Again, you know, the on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was time and there were no ch- more children at risk. Obviously, obvi- obviously, you know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. David, you made the comment earlier that this official from the state that came in today 
um, you sensed that he is not. Oh, he's pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, like almost he can't believe it that there was a failure of this magnitude. And we don't know that. And I understand, as you said, we're getting into mind reading. That can be dangerous. But the clip that we just heard a little while ago, I think, is worth playing again in that. You can see, or at least to me, and maybe I'm making too much of this and tell me if I am, that at some point he just says, yeah, it was the wrong decision. Here's what they should have done Yeah, in the most calm tone that he could have at that time. And for the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision, very There's no, no excuse for that. But you Think about that. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. That's a strong statement as they're trying to, <laughs> to make an excuse for it. Yeah. He's, There's he, no excuse. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification, and that that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead. Yes. Yes. So, again, there are shots fired during that time. And you ask the question, David, okay, you're in there, and you think, well, okay, for this moment we think that it's a barricade situation, call it what you want, but then you hear shots. Well, that changes everything. Then how do you not go in? I don't know. Again, you know, I guarantee you, if you're a parent, you're listening right now, and that's your kid in the school, you're going in. You know you are. Yeah. Or you're doing everything you can. To go in there. I don't even know if you have to be a parent if you're just a human being and you're outside and you know kids are trapped inside this room and they're being killed. I think naturally you'd want to try to stop it. Yeah. I mean, double if you're a parent, right, or grandparent or whatever. Well, I mean, we have law enforcement right there that didn't do it. Right. But you've, you brought up an interesting question before we went to break, and that is the guy, the border guard, did he just move past everybody and just go in? Because, again, the border guard that took out the gunman yeah. is getting a haircut. He gets a text from his wife, who is a teacher at the school. He's got a daughter in the school. As mm-hmm. soon as he gets the call, he doesn't have time to do anything else, but he grabs a shotgun from the barber office, or the barber shop. Yeah. Barber has one there. And he gets to the school. And we don't know the timeline, but we know he goes inside, sees his daughter, Helps her and other kids to safety. Mm -hmm. And he is the one, again, to take out the gunman. So we don't know, did he just decide, I'm not waiting any longer, I'm going in? Was that after gunshots? Um, Did he hold back for a while? We don't know. He pushed these guys aside and say, I got this? And if so, did they try to stop him from doing it? I don't know. In the New York Times article, it sounds like he went in and then had a conversation with a few people who were there because I think there was also a uh, county deputy who was entering the room with him. Okay. So 
So it sounds like then he may have just taken over the situation. We don't know that, but Possibly. that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, if you got some other guy, the guy in charge saying, yeah, we're, we're just going to wait until we get some more stuff. I mean, by the fact that a he, negotiator, was a, whatever. he was a border agent, did that allow him to do what other parents couldn't do? Well, that were, was to enter the school? Oh, sure. Well, also, I mean, if this guy's part of federal law enforcement, he's not yeah. going to wait for a traffic right. cop. I'm sorry, yeah. he's not. He's no. He's going past him. Yeah. Man, man. I mentioned different people on the left, certainly not helping any in this situation. The idiot Eric Swalwell, what did he say? Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Okay. What Do is we some... want to spend time on this? Is your call. Yeah, yeah, sure. Eric Swalwell, this Democratic representative, he's a complete nut. He was a, a Russia truther, and uh, he was the guy who got taken in and slept with a Chinese spy, somehow still bang, on the House bang. Intelligence Community, or Committee, I mean. Um, here's part of his reaction to the school shooting in Uvalde on, uh, on MSNBC. Okay. I find myself in a position where I'm lying to my kids. And, and every parent in America right now is lying to their kids. If you're telling your kid they're going to be safe at their school and everything's going to be okay, it's a lie. And, and who wants to lie to their kids? Despicable human being. You're here, scum. You know this is an outlier. You know the door should have been locked. The teacher props it open. We don't even know why. Well, terrible So parents. many schools yeah. are safe. They've done everything possible to make it safe. This is heartbreaking, what's happened this week. Everybody knows that. It is rare. It should be more rare. I think we all agree on oh, that. Oh, yeah, sure. But putting fear into people like that so you can get a, pol- a political sort of gain, and then you quote your four-year-old yeah. made-up stuff. Mm-hmm. What was the one this week? That same idiot said, now my four-year-old is saying to me, did the Buffalo shooter come to Texas? Yeah. Right. Or Willie, or are we safe? Yeah. Just If you're a decent parent at all, they're not seeing that crap on the news. He's a low IQ jack wagon. Golly, man. <laughs> That's really something. Okay. Well, sometimes on this show, you know, you'll try to lighten it up in some sort of way. I don't even know if I want to do that today. You know, it's well, just, it's I, heartbreaking. I, I think we can, just yeah. as a quick detour, real quick. Okay. I do have right. this update about Michael Avenatti, if you want to hear this. <laughs> really? The porn lawyer? The creepy porn lawyer, yeah. He was yeah. supposed Isn't to. is he in prison? Yeah, and he's actually facing sentencing again. Uh, he was supposed to take down Donald Trump. He's facing a ton of legal issues. He defrauded clients. He tried to extort Nike, of all things, in one of the most harebrained scam ideas I've ever seen. And he keeps making things worse for himself. See, he's being sentenced for defrauding Stormy Daniels, the porn star who made him famous. Right. In the prosecutor's sentencing memo, they point out something really funny about his inability to just tell the truth. So during closing arguments, Michael Avenatti told the jury that his dad used to sell hot dogs at a ballpark. Later, he expanded on that because the judge told him, he no, that's not relevant. But he talked to the uh, media afterwards and told the media the story that his dad had a boss who would scam people by taking broken hot dogs, covering them in mustard and selling them. And I guess the point was... Uh, that the government was trying to cover its own missteps in this case. This was, you know, this is defrauding him. Here's the thing, though. 
Michael Avenatti's dad did not sell hot dogs at a ballpark. He was an executive for Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> and the story about hot dogs, get this, was actually a story about Michael Avenatti's lawyer's dad. So Michael Avenatti's <laughs> lawyer used to tell that story to juries, oh and Michael Avenatti stole the story and made it his dad the main character of it. Why is that not surprising? Huh? <laughs> I got I got a story on a lighter note. It's a good one. I'll share it real quick. This is about a 66-year-old guy in Ireland, and he showed up to the ER recently. He had just had relations with his wife. Mm. It was during the day, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it, it, apparently it was so great it gave him amnesia. You'll think this is some wacky story. This is the truth. Um, within 10 minutes after he and the wife were done, you know, loving one another, yes. he couldn't remember anything from that morning or the night before, which was their anniversary. They had this big party with family, and it wasn't because he was wasted or anything, but he couldn't remember any of it. And he freaked out when he saw the date on his phone because he thought he had forgotten about it. So his wife had to reassure him, no, you hadn't forgotten. We had the party. So doctors diagnosed him with transient global amnesia, also called sudden onset amnesia it's a thing because you could remember everything else from your life just not the previous day the same thing happened to this guy seven years ago also after sex okay never let that woman out of your life all right (laughs) that's all i gotta say well that that explains a lot of my past (laughs) i don't even know who you are man what Experts say it's usually seen in people between 70 or and 50, 50 and 70, and it can be caused by sex, physical exertion, emotional stress, or a shock from being, like, immersed in cold water or something like that. Oh, my. They still don't know why it happens, but the amnesia usually subsides within 24 hours. One for the ages, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, news update. Oh, and set you up with the Friday Five in just a few right here. I think one of the weird reactions right now that I'm seeing to what happened in Uvalde and a lot of outrage over the police response, because we're hearing now it's it's extremely disturbing um, that they were sitting there for 48 minutes thinking, okay, there's nobody. I guess they they were thinking there was nobody left nobody left alive in the room, but again the kids were calling nine one one so or two of them did. So and that is gunshots. Sense. They're hearing gunshots sporadically for forty eight minutes, and nobody goes in during that time. That doesn't make any sense. But one of the reactions, because you know how this world works, you've always got to be dunking on your political opponents or something. I keep hearing from the left, oh, yeah, now suddenly the uh, cops can do no wrong party wants to talk about the cops instead of the guns. It's like, well, no. Whoever said that? Whoever said cops can do no wrong. No one, no one ever, ever said that. They lie all the time. I mean, 
there's plenty of examples in the past. We can go over that later. We got to get you set up right now for our Friday five. It's the countdown we do, well, every Friday. And today, you know, kicking off Memorial Day weekend, there's a lot of different festivals that happen over Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. One that happens every year in Oxford, Mississippi. I have friends there. Shut up. Yes, I have friends. Anyway, <laughs> is the World Championship Old Time Piano Playing Contest. Oh, this is going to make, yeah, this is going to make all the newsreels. It's yeah. not. But are you saying they don't deserve to be appreciated? No, I, I've never met your friend in Oxford. I'd like to sometime. Two friends. And it's the old-time piano playing. Okay, maybe that's an excuse for us to do the greatest songs of all time with a piano intro. Oh, okay. To now the I song. Yeah. Okay, be thinking about that. Greatest songs of all time with a piano intro. And I'll tell you this. We had to limit it to one per artist because there are some great piano players that would have taken the whole list. So if you want to get in early, the number to call is 210-619-2053. It's the Friday Five songs with a piano intro next. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. It's time for our Friday Five. It's countdown we do every week, even in a week with a whole lot of tragedy. We take a break from news, have a little fun with a countdown. And today, heading into Memorial Day weekend, you may not know this, but in Oxford, Mississippi, it is the World Championship Old Time Piano Playing Contest. I'm glad you got those two friends of yours there that reminded you. Well, and to celebrate, so we we should celebrate it. We should. I agree. Maybe it's just an excuse to do the greatest songs of all time with a piano intro. Oh, That's the Friday Five for today. I see. And the Five always starts like this. <laughs> Down is on. You know what this means? It's our favorite time of the week. Anybody wants to get mellow, you can get the f out of here, all right? The Friday Five. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. On the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. Friday Five, greatest songs of all time with a piano intro. How do you rank it? You may ask. Well, how big a hit was the song or how iconic is it? How does it stand the test of time and then how much do you personally like it? We all three put that together, and then we have our five. Really strong Friday Five, too. These are iconic songs, no doubt about it. Again, the number is 210-619-2053. Who's up, David? Uh, Let's start off with Woody in Vancouver. Hey, Woody. Hey, guys. Love your show. How about a song from the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis? The smash hit from 1957, Great Balls of Fire. Yes, sir. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Sing it, Scott. Gracious. Great balls of fire. There you go. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Heard that a lot growing up. No, I didn't play it as a current. Stop. I didn't say that. Oh, it was coming. I felt it. 
they said 57. You didn't start in radio till what, 67 yeah. when you were 25? That's right. Shut up. <laughs> no, you didn't play it as a current because, well, you were in radio a little bit before that. You were already out. <laughs> Right, I was I was I was the board op for Amos and Andy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and HR calls again for ageism yes, on the right. show. Okay, yes. David, who's next? Let's talk to Billy in Portland. Hey, Billy. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> you are Billy. Hey, who booted Van Halen's right now? How did that not get on the list? Just didn't happen, man. Sorry. Oh. Not everyone will do it, Billy. Okay, well, let's talk about the top five most horrible people in the world. Billy okay. Joel, Piano Man. Yeah, thank you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to the show, David Van Camp likes to say that Billy Joel is one of the, again, one of the, one of the worst human beings in music. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that's based on. I just I don't know good people don't write songs like Uptown Girl, oh. okay? Now, that is something that Robin's played as a current. Absolutely. <laughs> Top 40 radio. Yep, I did. Tell her about it. Uptown Girl, same mm. album. Longest Terrible. time, same Terrible. album. Yep. Terrible. The 1983. Can, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, who's next? Uh, let's talk to Tracy in Washington. Hey, Tracy. Hi. I'm going with, um, <clears throat> sorry, come sail away. My six. Oh, yeah. Sticks. You know what? For a second there, I actually thought it was going to make the five because of Van Camp's vote. You had this in your top five, did you? Yeah, this was my number two, I think. Wow. Holy mackerel. The hit song, it's iconic, stands the test of time. I love this song. I get the first two parts. I think we all have these songs that surprise the other people that they love it that much. Yeah, a little bit. Right. If we're to keep Van Camp out of this conversation, Scott, just you and I, this is surprising that David likes this song that I'm, much, isn't it? I'm shocked, actually. Okay, yeah. I'm shocked. It, we all have that time and again. It's a 10 out of 10 for me, personal like. Love this song. Holy smokes. What is it about the song? The different movements in it, I think it it moves. I know it 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 sounds a little dated, you know. It sounds cheesy, but you know, I think yeah, millennials make fun of that song. But I think lyrically, it's it's a pretty good song too. Yeah, I loved it as a kid. Yeah, well, I don't dislike the song. It's a fine song. You're just surprised. Uh, shocked, actually, that Van Camp had that in there. Yes. Again, today for the five, we're doing the greatest songs of all time with a piano intro. Who's next? Uh, Clark in Virginia. Hey, Clark. Greetings, comrades. (laughs) Greetings, Clark. Hey, as a biological life transmitter, I am letting you know that my lawyer will be serving you papers to inform MVCR that I will be suing for $93,000 for failure to invite me to join you for drinks after show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So sorry. I also yes, heard sir. earlier this week that Robbins authored a new heroic, heroic, heroic whatever hymn <laughs> titled Onward Russian Shoulders. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there you go. Oh, we'll reference that later. That's yeah. very funny. Yes. But I also mm-hmm. saw that President Magoo said in speech that they, them, 
identifies as a person with treasonous ethical stances that include evil socialism or testes, for short. (laughs) (laughs) Well played today. We needed that. Oh, man. Then what are you thinking for a song? Well, it is what President Magoo says whenever he leaves the podium after a speech. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. (laughs) Yes. Number two. That's a big hit. That's a big test of time. I love that song. You could have taken like 50 Elton John songs, right? And I think David took a different Elton John song. I did. Yeah. Okay. I can't argue with the one he took either. Well, here's the problem. Great song. Great song. Tiny Dancer. Is it iconic? Yeah. But not on the scale of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. No, probably not. So that's this so that's wasn't a hit decision. either. Tiny no, it wasn't was a hit, it. but iconic. Yeah, test of time. It's it's up there with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Um, I would agree. And my personal like, I just I I like that song way more than Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I do like that song more than Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, me too. And my well, I would say two of my top five Elton John songs mm-hmm. right there. Okay, so we have number two so far. But that's it. Still looking for number one, number three, four, and five. By the way, um, <laughs> what he was just referencing when he said heroic, that's the word that Scott has a problem with. Yeah. Do you want to try to say it right now? No. It'd be heroic if you tried. No. You don't want to do it? No. I, okay. Oh, no. Oh, you just tried. Well, I, I tried and my brain just immediately snapped. Okay. I can't. I, I panic when that word comes up. I just do. One more. Heroic. There you go. See, that's what. That's where the golf I mean, clap. I mean, you kind of sound like you just had a stroke, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, that's got that's the words out. I know. Okay, who's next for the countdown? <laughs> Piano intros. Uh, let's talk to Kevin and Amarillo. Hey, Kevin. Hey guys, happy Memorial Day, and I I do believe that this is a great day to have the, the Friday Five. Well, thank thanks, you Kevin. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I got one. One of the great piano bar songs, uh, Journey, Don't Stop Relieving. Well, you're going to have a great weekend, buddy. Number one. This wasn't even close, was it? No. Huge song. Testing time off the charts. I love this song. I do, too. Great song. Did you ever get tired of this song? Yeah. Me? You did. Everybody got tired of it at one point. I played it a lot. Okay. So when you started to like it again, was it just one day in the car it comes on and you hear it in a different way? And you're like, holy smokes, is that a great song? Yeah, it kind of. it's one of those songs that it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. That song is playing on the radio somewhere right now, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably in multiple cities, actually. Um, and so I'd kind of get away from it, took it for granted a little bit. And then there was mm-hmm. one day I was actually just listening uh, to as on my phone, just listening to all my songs on shuffle, that song comes on, and it'd been a long time since I'd listened to it with headphones on, so my my focus was on it, and it's like that is such a well crafted song. It is. 
There's a great story behind that song, too. I know we don't have time. Yeah. At the interview Jonathan Cain wants, it's it's really a great story. How much money do you think he's made off oh, that song over the years? Man, I mean, it's just, just a ton of money. Yes. Yes, no doubt about it. You know what? All right, we should we should call time out for a second. Because we got number one and number two, but we still need three, four, and five. And there's great honorable mentions to get to as well. For our Friday Five, heading into Memorial Day weekend, it is songs with the greatest, no, I shouldn't say it that way, it's songs with a piano intro, intro, the greatest of all time. Now I'm like trying to say heroic and I'm robbing. <laughs> there you go. Greatest piano intro songs of all time. We'll wrap it up next. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Got a news update within the next 15 minutes. An update on the timeline in Uvalde. Also, the Scott Robbins trifecta. But we are doing the Friday Five that we do every Friday. And today it's the greatest piano intro songs of all time. And that's your number one. Journey, yeah. don't stop believing. It is the World Championship Old Time Piano Playing Contest this weekend, by the way. That's why we're doing this. Celebrating. Um... We also had number two, which is Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. We're still looking for three, four, and five. The wow. number is 210-619-2053. And who's up, David? Uh, let's start off with Katie in Beaverton. Hey, Katie. Hey, guys. Uh, sorry for the raspy voice. Got a little bit of COVID going on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Cold as Ice by Foreigner. Katie. Number five. Good job. That was a big hit. Big test of timer. You're as cold as ice. There you go. Good stuff. Good job with the intros, too, David. Mm-hmm. Boom. Nice. Right to the point. Mm-hmm. So still got three and four to get to. Who's next? Uh, Casey in Vancouver. Hey, Casey. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Hey, Casey. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh. Robbins, did you have it? I didn't. What? I like the song, though. Really? Yeah. What cracks me up is when this is on, and you're grooving to it, and you kind of get the flat hand out in front of you, and you're waving it up and down, just like Eminem. <laughs> yeah. Doing the moves with him. Yeah, swaying my hips. Is there any way we could get you up to freestyle sometime and take one of your baseball hats and make it a flat bill and no, cock it not, to the side? There's not a time where you could do that. That would be awesome yeah, if we well, could do that. Happening. Okay. Well, I went, wanted to try. Okay. Who's next? Uh, let's talk to Wild Bill in Charlotte County, Virginia. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Good, Wild Bill. Thanks for checking in, bro. Hey, uh, I'm a disabled veteran. I'm 62 years old, and I just want to remember all those that died to make me a free man. Oh, yeah. Good yes, word, sir. and thank you for your service. Nice. Thank you, yeah. And recently, I have nothing to do. I'm, I'm limited in mobility. So I bought me a drum set, and I've been playing the drums for about a month and a half, and I'm just trying to get better at it. That's awesome, yes. man. Awesome. Great. Love that. It gives, it gives me something to do. I go down there, and I play for about three or four hours every day, and it just takes my mind off of everything. And I love I really that needed, story. I really needed it. But my song is... uh. Bruce Hornsby in the range, 
the way it is. Wow, man. It's a big one. You know what? We were just talking about Bruce Hornsby last week. Mm-hmm. Because what were we doing last week? Oh, it was musical instruments. Yeah. And it was Mandolin, Mandolin Rain. Rain. Yeah. Yes. And that was the other big hit. That was huge. Oh, because gosh. Yeah. Rock Radio played that at the time. Top 40 played it. Yep. AC. He was a big deal, man. It was. I mean, he took some interesting career turns. Became kind of like a deadhead. Yeah, he played with them, and he started doing kind of a jazzy fusion type thing on a couple of records. And I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, he's done what he wanted to do. Well, yeah, he's incredible. I asked skilled. him to play basketball once. I said, hey, man, you want to play basketball? Yeah, if we were in town longer, I would. He's he's a big basketball guy. He loves basketball. Yeah, he, had, he didn't have time for you. No, no, he blew me off. Who's well, i got to play with Mark Lee tomorrow. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk to uh, Bruno in Portland. Hey, Bruno. Yeah, hi, guys. Haven't called in for a while. Let's go with uh, Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Bruno, always great to hear from you, man. Number three. Yeah. Pretty, pretty. If loving Freebird is wrong, you know I don't want to be right. Can I get some chirps? Pretty please. Yeah. There we go. Nice. Freaking right. Nice. Yes. Now all we have left is number four to get to. Yeah. Who's next? Let's talk to Patrick in Portland. Hey, Patrick. Hi, guys. Uh, hey, I want to go with uh, November Rain, Guns and Roses. You know what? That absolutely should have been in the top five. It was in my top five. It's an epic. It's a huge hit. Big test of timer. On the likable scale from 1 to 10, I had it at an 8, at least. Van Camp at a 0. 0. I never want to hear that song. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that one, David. What is... What? It's not with a, the soaring guitar solos? Six and a and half minutes yeah. long. And it's it's just, the, no, it's not. It's over 8. Well, however, it is, it's way too long. All right. Okay, did anybody call in for the one that we've missed? Uh, No. Really? Wasn't in my five. Go ahead. Number four. Let it be. Would it just beat out Imagine? Oh, see, that's not even fair. <laughs> no. What? That was a big hit, too, in a test of timer. I was just... That is, just... A, that is an attack on the soul of music, sir. Okay. Well, that you know, that thing's, its own success killed it. Piano intro, songs of all time. One through five, Journey, Elton John, Leonard Skinner, The Beatles, Foreigner. Well done. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. We have a news update to get to. There's an update on the timeline, David. Yeah. And from the, earlier today, even. Well, it, it's more of a, a clarification on 911 calls that were made from inside the room in that school in Uvalde, uh, I, I'm on. I I don't know how in the world police didn't think there were kids at risk. I don't understand it. I, I this is I'm speechless. Honestly, you look at you look at how many calls were made and what was going on at the time. Oh. 
because that's one of the things that didn't seem to make sense earlier. Yeah. Um, so we will well attempt to put that together with the timeline and get to the Scott Robbins trifecta next. Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins, news update, David Van Camp. This is absolutely insane. So Texas DPS did a press conference in Uvalde today talking about or clearing up some of the timeline and the actions of police on the time of the shooting or at the time of the shooting. And right. so we know that I guess the shooter walked in through a door that had been propped open by a teacher after firing outside which, okay. Uh, that doesn't he, make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. So he goes in, uh, then he makes his way to a classroom, and for 48 minutes there are cops, 19 cops, that are outside, just in the hallway, outside of the room. Yep. They don't go in because the chief of police for the district decided to say that it was a barricaded subject, not an active shooter, which even DPS was saying... Uh, he tried to be a politician a little bit, but as he was explaining this, he said, no, that when there's an active shooter, the rules are different. No, you go in. If you're hearing gunshots, you keep going. You don't right. stop. There's no perimeter thing. There's nothing. You know where he is. Go get him. Um, and the justification that we've heard through DPS is that the on-site commander, the chief, thought that it was there was no more threat to students. But they did lay out calls to 911 from within the room. 1203, young girl calls, says she's in room 112. Multiple students dead. 1213, she calls again, says eight to nine students alive, 1216 is when she says there are eight to nine students alive in that room. 1219. Oh, my goodness. 1219, a student calls from room 111, which is connected. Three shots heard on the call at 1221. 1236, there's another call. 1243, asks for police. 1247, kids are asking for the police. How... Did they not go in? They would have known this today when the state official was answering questions, correct? Yeah. Okay. Listen to this again. Now knowing what we know about the calls, okay? Roll it. What efforts were the officers making to try and break through either that door or another door to get inside that classroom? None at that time. The... The on-scene commander at the time believed that it had transitioned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject. What do you mean? I don't understand it. You heard gunshots on the 911 call. 
If you're inside the school, you certainly heard the gunshots. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. You have people who are alive, children who are calling 911 saying, please send the police. They are alive in that classroom. There are lives that are at risk. Hey, That's not we're, protocol, we're, we're, is we're, it? We're well aware of that. Right. Yeah. But I, why was this decision made not to go in and rescue these children? Again, you know, the on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was time and there were no ch more children at risk. Obviously, obvi obviously, you know, based upon the information we have, there were children in that classroom that were at risk, and it was, in fact, still an active shooter situation and not a barricaded subject. And that's when he then goes on to say, well, yeah, it was the wrong decision. Yeah. And for the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, period. There's no, no excuse for that. Right. There is no excuse for it. Yeah. I, and especially now that we know this. I, I know he's trying to, again, play politics. He's trying to be nice, you know, trying to maybe it's to protect the integrity of whatever investigation he's doing. I understand when you hear that there's that many 911 calls from within the room, children begging for cops to come in, help us. And then at 1221, you hear three shots and they don't go in for more than 20 minutes longer. There is no benefit of hindsight. None. No. There's nothing that you can say to me that makes that excusable. I'm dumbfounded by it. You know, this gets sadder by the minute. It's the it's emotion that it goes sad, and then it's like anger, like rage, yeah, anger. I know. I know. And go, he goes on. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, we believe there should have been an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay? It's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. You don't worry about outer perimeters. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification. And that, that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at and keeps shooting until the subject is dead. So again... You heard three shots on the call at 1221, so obviously it's an active shooter situation. And he just said it. <laughs> you go in. That's a massive failure. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I understand that this, to me, is not a case of a tragedy happens and you're just looking to blame somebody. It was the gunman that killed the kids. But that's also a failure to do anything you could to protect Incredible. them. Incredible. There, there has to be more to this, doesn't there? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what it, what it could be, but... I don't either. But you're dumbfounded by that. And again, yeah. we, here's the other part of the timeline that... We don't know as far as I know, and maybe you've seen it now, David. The guy that actually took out the gunman, who was at the barbershop, who is a border control agent, that ended up going in. We know he went in because his wife works at the school and had texted him. So he leaves the barbershop, 
to come to the school, he grabs a shotgun from the barbershop. He goes into the school, finds his daughter, Caesar, helps her and other classmates out of the school, correct? Mm-hmm. And then at, at some point in time, he's the one that takes out the gunman. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing there's still a whole lot of time that goes on, and we don't know yeah. exactly did he take over the operation. We don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know, because he had somebody else with him So going into that room. So it didn't – initially it kind of sounded like he shows up and then storms in the building and blows past everybody and goes into the room. That's not how it appears that went down, because there would have been still that 48-minute gap between him and I want to hear from that guy. I want to hear from that guy. What he witnessed when he got there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, unreal. It's like, here we are with more information, but it's still a lot of questions. Okay. I know I need to switch gear to your top three stories of the day. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Let's roll. All right. Let's do it. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Scott Robbins trifecta, his top three stories of the day. Do it every day at this time. Helps like his hero in life and top 40 hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Of course. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. And it's number three. Yeah, of course. Uh, number three, Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Apparently, that that is uh, moving forward. Yeah, apparently he's going. He may announce it this weekend um, at the University of Delaware, the big graduation ceremony. Uh, here's the deal on this: it working class Joe looking out for the small guy, right? Um, Ten thousand dollars taken off the top of your student loan debt, as long as you earn under one hundred fifty grand. Couples three hundred thousand dollars, you get twenty grand taken off now where do you think all this money's going to go i mean how many people in our population are doing 150 grand with student loan debt probably 10 percent tops according to people i've read as a couple three hundred thousand dollars and they'll forgive it so it seems to me like we're going to have about 90 percent of the people who had had student loan debt have it wiped out to the tune of 20 grand off the top what about people that paid their way through school? Shush now, sir. Well, it doesn't seem to make any sense. And we're talking over 50% of the student loan debt is graduate students, correct? Yes. Yeah. That doesn't sound like working class Joe to me. No, you know, I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm thinking to myself as I hear this, 15 months ago, you might have had people that went, this sucks, but it's going to happen. But with energy prices... With the zaniness that's currently going on with our economy, to now now do this, it's almost as if you want to destroy this as quickly as you can before the midterms get here. Well, it's I got to try to buy votes is what it sounds yeah, like. It's a but bribe. I think the freak out would always be there. I mean, again, you're talking, David. I forget the degree that you'll reference, but you know, you got somebody that's busting tail, yeah. and their tax dollars is going to pay for somebody's what degree? Uh, like Eastern European trans-snorkelers studies or something, you know? <laughs> yes, well, right. there's a need for that. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, of course it doesn't. Okay. We're getting closer and closer to number one. It's the Sky Robbins trifecta top three stories of the day. Three. Well, we already did three. Yeah, sorry. He's losing it. Two. <laughs> yeah, this is good for the weekend. It's been a long week, you know? It has been. been. Uh, yes. Democratic Four. Casey, <laughs> <laughs> enough. Two. Don't do that. Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar says 
uh, 18-year-old shouldn't be able to buy guns because they can't buy beer. That's what she said. 18-year-olds can't buy alcohol. They sure shouldn't be able to buy an AK-47. Change the law, all caps. Now, you do realize, Amy, that states can enact a drinking age at 18, right? By the way, there's no right in the uh, Constitution to drink booze. There's nothing in there that says you have the right to do that. But here's another thing I find ironic. She's one of these people that uh, your child at five years old can uh, change their gender, but, you know, they can't buy a gun. That just made me realize when I was 18, the drinking age in Wisconsin was 18. Right. And I was 19. That way in a lot of different states, but... Okay, Amy. So yeah, you can choose your own gender at five, but so are we going to let people serve the country mm-hmm. and go fight and vote? Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Now on with the countdown. Yes, yeah, we are. Scott Robbins trifecta, and we're ready. And finally, yes, one. Uh, the near mass shooting that nobody knows about. This is an interesting story. A woman with a concealed handgun stopped a mass shooting this week, and I've heard nothing about this. Charleston, West Virginia. Police said a woman who was lawfully carrying a pistol shot and killed a guy who began shooting at a crowd of people Wednesday night in Charleston. Dennis Butler was killed after allegedly shooting at dozens of people attending a graduation party, something called the Vista View Apartment Complex. No injuries, by the way, were reported except him. Wow. Woman was carrying a gun. Lawfully. Went into her purse, pulled it out, whacked him. Wow. It's over. No one was killed. Yeah, I was just curious with all of the talk about gun ownership. David, different people you've trained that have recently purchased firearms for protection. I'm just, I mean, I'm asking you to mind read, I guess. How do you think their reaction would be to, to people that have just bought firearms that you're teaching how to shoot? Like what you're going to take guns away now? Yeah. Oh yeah. What, oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay, proposed. sorry, I didn't. I didn't like, follow. Like you shouldn't be able to uh, protect yourself. No, there's yeah. a real in- interesting quote from the cops on this too. Police describe the woman as quote running toward the threat. Oh wow! Pulls out the gun from her purse, lawfully owned, goes towards where the shots are being fired, and boom, whacks the guy shooting. Well, you know. And he was the only one injured. If she wants a job with the Valdi police, I mean, she can have it, I'm sure. Man, oh, man. But, but wow. yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, is that there are a lot. Of, I think what, what, what gets missed a lot right now from Democrats is that the conversation about gun control has completely changed. Because I can't tell you how many younger, single women are learning how to shoot now. Yep. I mean, it has gained a ton of momentum. Yep. Just had that conversation with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago. Was at a gun shop, and uh, she was buying her first gun ever. Never fired a gun before in her life. But, you know, she and her friends, they're all single in the city. And uh, she said there was somebody that they knew who had a guy follow her into her apartment. Wow. Like, it was a big apartment complex. Had somebody close by, didn't know if it was a neighbor or whatever, followed and attacked her. So they're all learning how to shoot. Right. The game has Damn changed right. right now. And Democrats, well, thank you. Right. Because you wanted to fund the police. And there you have it. No kidding. Job, Scott. All right. News update and then rise of the news straight ahead right here.
Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Just a quick news update before Nimrods. We're finding out more about the timeline. We haven't been able to figure out from Valdi police exactly when the border control agent came in and did he take over the situation? What happened? I also didn't know that Uvalde not only has its own police force, but a SWAT team. Isn't that something? I just learned that, too. Wow. And so then the Border Patrol tactical team got there shortly after noon, but Uvalde police stopped them from going in. That's why there was a huge delay. Yeah. Because they they were treating it as a barricaded subject for some reason. I mean, dude, I mean, you've got... What, 11.35 officers in the schools, that's two minutes after the suspect entered the school, the suspect gunman, the guy, entered the school. He got shots from 11.37 to 11.44. 12.03, call. 12.03, up to 19 officers in the hallway. 12.10, call. 12.13, call. 12.16, 911.00, call. 12.21, oh shots. 12.36, shots. 12.50 p.m., Police open the door. They get around to it. Wow. Okay, there's no Nimrods in the news today. We're running out of time. I, I just read this. The Border Patrol and ICE agents did not understand why they were left to wait, according to the official. Eventually, the specialized Border Patrol team went into the building. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. And then there's going to be, well, more updates on this. Thanks for hanging with us. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show.